It's amazing how much our world has changed in such a very short period of time. It's almost like we've, we've stepped into a totally new reality. I think about the map behind me, which is a depiction of the ancient world and, and what things looked like, and according to cartographers, hundreds of years ago, and, and think about what it looks like today, and it's radically changed. The same thing's true today. A virus has turned the world upside down, and it's filled the lives of many people with fear, with uncertainty, with questions about what the economy will do, what their health will be like. In fact, there's so many things that are now outside of their control, it's difficult to really have peace. So I was thinking about that and thinking of the the current circumstances. I was reading through Jesus' account of his last week, how he rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, what we're celebrating today in recognition of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem where he was being heralded with hosannas, hosanna in the highest, which means God saved to the uttermost. People were waving palm branches, welcoming into the city. And yet Jesus didn't enter the city with uncertainty. He knew why he came. He came not to be celebrated, but to die, to give his life as a ransom for us, to lay down his life willingly for you and me, to pay the price that you and I deserved, to take on your sin, my sin, the wrongdoings that we have done, and to pay the full penalty, to bear the wrath of God for us. How amazing that Jesus, knowing he came to die, was able to have not only peace in the midst of it, as you read through that last week, but joy. And so what I want to do today is, is rather than do a teaching on the triumphal entry, I want to back up to the evening before to an event that happened where we see Jesus and his relationship with his friends, relationship with his followers, in a very intimate and beautiful way. It takes place in the uh, town of Bethany. And it's at, the scripture tells us that it takes place at the house of Simon the leper. But the ones who were actually hosting a dinner that evening was Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Now, if you remember the context, if you remember the, the timeline, Jesus had recently raised Lazarus from the dead. He had proven that he was God in the flesh by miraculously raising someone from the dead who'd been dead for four days, who was dead beyond any shadow of a doubt. He proved who he truly was. Well, that evening, that Saturday evening before Palm Sunday, at a dinner party, something amazing happens. You heard it in our scripture reading earlier from John chapter 12 and also from Mark chapter 14. But let me reread just a little bit of the, of the pieces for you to set the context in case you missed the first portion of our service. It says in John 12 verse 1, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave him a dinner there for him. Martha served, 
and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made of pure nard, a perfume, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. The lives of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus are examples for us to follow. For instance, Martha exemplifies the work of a Christ follower. She was a servant all the way through. Everything that she did, in fact, sometimes she gets a bad reputation because she was so focused on serving. But rather than give her a hard time because she was so focused on the tasks, I think Jesus encouraged her, and we see that especially when he deals with her at the death of her brother Lazarus, whom she loved so much, we see a tenderness. And then at the very heart of Martha was a desire to do things that would honor the Lord with her life. And so from her, we learn the attitude of service, of what it means to truly follow Christ, to follow his example, because the God of the universe came to serve us. The king of everything, the creator of everything, he condescended and took on the form of a servant and humbled himself for you and for me. Martha had tuned into that, and that motivated her serving. In the same way, Lazarus exemplifies what it means to be a witness for the Savior. In John chapter 12, the verses just after the ones that we read this morning tell us that there were people seeking to kill Lazarus because of his testimony. Now, none of his words are recorded in the scripture, but it's clear that if the high priests, if the scribes of the religious leaders who felt threatened at that time were seeking to kill Lazarus because of his testimony, it must have been powerful. And think about it. How can you deny a miracle when you see a person that you know was dead who is now alive and walking and talking and telling you that he was raised from the dead by Jesus, the Messiah? You see, Lazarus shows us in his faithfulness, in his sharing of what God had done for him, what it means to be a witness for Christ. And you know what? Every one of us can do that. In fact, during this time of isolation, you have unique opportunities to share your faith, to be a witness for Christ. I want to urge us to be intentional about reaching out to to those that um, may be isolated even more so. Maybe they're alone. Reach out to coworkers, to family members, to friends, to neighbors. Call them up on Zoom or on Skype or FaceTime or or if you're a little more old-fashioned, just use the phone. But connect with them. Send them an email. And let them know what God is doing in your heart and life as you first listen to where they are and what they're experiencing. And seek to find ways to see if you can serve them, but also be able to share the hope that you have in Jesus. Because our certainty is not in our circumstances. It's not in uh, the government is not even in medicine, as wonderful and as helpful and needful as that is. Our certainty is in our God. So Lazarus shows us what it means to be a witness. In Mary, we see what it means to worship. She sets the standard for what it means to grow in an intimacy with God personally. 
And that's my prayer for each and every one of us that call the International Church of Prague our home church, our family, is that during the season, God will do something radical. He'll pour out His Holy Spirit and He'll draw you and I into a greater intimacy with Him than we've ever known before. When all the other stuff is stripped away, when all the busyness and the routine has been set aside, that's really an opportunity to go deeper with God. And my prayer is that you'll do that. So let's look a little bit more specifically at Mary and what she does. Because what we see with Mary is a fragrance in her worship that the scripture tells us will never, ever be forgotten. But that wasn't the beginning of Mary's life pursuit of worshiping Jesus. Let me read to you from Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says this, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And the first time that we meet Mary and Martha, the, the sisters of Lazarus, Mary is at the Lord's feet listening. Right now, maybe your routine has been so turned upside down, you don't know what to do. You've spent more time on Facebook than you want to. You've spent more time with electronics than you really care to admit. Let me encourage you instead to be intentional about sitting at the feet of Jesus, about taking his word, opening it up, and listening. Read through the account. In fact, let me encourage you to read through the Gospel of John. And look, if you have a red-letter Bible or, or an app on your phone that can allow you to see um, the words of Jesus in red, read those words especially and meditate on what Jesus is saying and, and ask the Lord to enable you to actually sit at his feet, to take some of the time that you've been gifted during this season of, of isolation and of mer- emergency and learn to listen at the feet of Jesus like Mary. Her, her example is absolutely incredible. And, and I have to confess, it is something that's so hard for me. By nature, I am a Martha. I am task-oriented, and my mind is always thinking about all the different things that need to be done. But my prayer is that in the midst of this, God will transform that, and that he'll teach me to be much more of a Mary, to listen at the feet of Jesus and allow him to transform who I am and my relationship with him and to fill me more and more with his Holy Spirit as I listen to his word, as I meditate on it, as I memorize it and grow closer and closer to him. Mary shows us what true devotion, what true love looks like. In fact, if you, if you want a point to just take home is that true love listens. The thing God desires perhaps more than anything from you and I is for us to listen to him. What a great opportunity we have right now to do just that.
So that first fragrance that we see in the life of Mary is a fragrance of, uh, of love expressed in her listening. The second fragrance is a fragrance of trust. And we see this also in John, but in chapter 11, a little before the event that happens of her anointing, in John chapter 11, beginning in verse 28, listen to what it says. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying, Private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. This is at the time when Lazarus had died. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then verse 35. To me, this is the most beautiful verse, even though it's the shortest verse in all the scripture. Jesus wept. The God of the universe cried at the loss of his friend. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. Now what's so beautiful about that is not just that Jesus wept for Lazarus, but that it's a picture of how he feels about you and I as well. He loves all of his followers. He loves all of God's children, his brothers and sisters that have trusted him as Savior. He loves them in the same way. When you hurt, he hurts because we have a high priest who understands where we are. The anxiety, the fear, the trouble that you're struggling with, you can bring to Jesus because he does understand. And what is even more, he truly cares about you. In the midst of the story, this story though we see this glimpse of Mary and the one thing that she responds to Jesus is that her trust even though she's dealing with the agony of grief having lost uh, her brother seeing him die seeing him being wrapped in burial cloths and laid in a tomb Mary's focus when she meets Jesus is a confidence of saying, if you'd have been here, Jesus, he would not have died. Her trust in him was rock solid. She didn't understand the circumstances that she was going through, but she expressed a trust that was absolutely beautiful. Well, you and I, we need to learn that right now. We don't know what our governments are going to do. We don't know what the next week holds or the next month. We don't know what the impact of, of this is going to look like. And we're, we're asking the Lord to give wisdom and guidance to ourselves, to leaders, to, to doctors and physicians and researchers. We're asking for the Lord to intervene. But ultimately our trust is not in government, not in medicine, but in God. We can rest in Him because he is still in control. Mary, even though she was grieving, still put her trust, even in the midst of her hurt, and placed herself in the arms of the Savior. Trust is what you can give to God right now.
we have a unique opportunity. Say, Lord, I trust you. I don't understand what all is going on. I don't understand what's going to happen next. My trust is in you. And I'm giving it to you as an offering of worship and of love. Well, there's a third fragrance that we see, that we read earlier in our scripture, expressed through the life of Mary. And that is the fragrance of gratitude. When we come to John chapter 12, Mark 14 and Matthew 26, which are all parallel passages of the same event, we see this beautiful expression of Mary anointing Jesus' feet. And the, the indication of the scripture is that no one else seemed to know that she was planning on doing this. No one else was prepared. Everyone else was taken by surprise. This was something hidden deep within her heart. She was so overflowing with love, with gratitude to Jesus that she had to find a way to express it. And the thing that she could, that she could do is she saw that jar, that alabaster jar of nard, that possession that perhaps was part of her dowry for her marriage. She gave that treasure and she was willing to pour it out on the feet of Jesus. She washes his feet and anoints it with a perfume that is beautiful. And the scripture goes on to tell us in Mark that that fragrance will never be forgotten. In fact, it tells us that whenever this gospel is preached for generation after generation, for thousands of years, 2,000 years so far, what she has done, her expression of worship, will be remembered. What I want to encourage you to know is wherever you are, wherever position you are in life, God will take your offering, whether it's big or small, your expression of worship, and when it's given from a pure heart, it'll be a fragrance that is never forgotten. You see, in the scripture, God refers to our prayers as a sweet-smelling savor that ascends into heaven. When you and I pray to the Lord and we submit ourselves to His will in every area of our life, when we give Him all that we are, when we follow His instructions to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow Him, it is a fragrance that is never forgotten. It doesn't matter whether it's successful, doesn't matter whether other people recognize it, doesn't matter what the results might be. God sees your heart and God sees what motivates it. And when you, out of a love for Him, seek to worship Him in serving Him or in serving others as an expression of worship for Him, it is a fragrance that is never forgotten. You see, it is those little things, those hidden things, that thing that was treasured in Mary's heart that was so incredibly powerful and so beautiful that Jesus remarks on it and says, this will never, ever be forgotten. You know what? I've preached hundreds, in fact, over a thousand sermons in my life. And I'm pretty sure that the vast majority of them have been quickly forgotten. Jesus said, the act of Mary, that pure expression of love and worship, that self-sacrifice of giving that treasure 
and pouring it out on the feet of Jesus, that that will never be forgotten is a reminder that what God defines as faithfulness and true worship is often found in the smaller things, in the hidden things. This season that we're in is a time for us to grow in our worship. That's what Mary did as well. And it's what I believe God is inviting you and I to do during this season. We're to to serve like Martha. We're to witness like Lazarus. But we're to worship, to worship like Mary in the big things, in the small things, and to see our life as a pursuit of making God our greatest treasure. My prayer for you and for me is that we will grow in the little things, in being faithful to express our attitudes, our service to others as expressions of worship that will be a fragrance that is never, ever forgotten. Next week, next Sunday, we're going to celebrate communion together as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. And so I want to encourage you that... um, Sometime this week, whether you're ordering it online or you're able to to get some some resources, to get some bread and some wine or some juice and to be ready so that we can celebrate communion together. Even though we can't be together physically, we can celebrate the Lord's Supper together because guess what? We're all linked together by the presence of the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful time it's going to be, whether you're single, whether you're a family, to join together as the body of Christ to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and to share communion together. I can't wait. Even though we're separated by so many miles, um, I can't wait for us to gather together to worship Him. Church, Becky and I love you so very much. We miss you at this time. And uh, we're thankful for the opportunity that we get to be with our, with our family as we're also um, in, in isolation, in quarantine, being able to spend some time with our children and our grandchildren, at least a portion of them. Um, but we miss you as well and are praying for you on a, on a consistent basis that God will do beautiful things during this season. God bless you. We love you.